Good morning. It is another blessing to be uh, able to wake up and know that we are in the fold of Jesus Christ. And if we're not, it's a blessing to wake up and know that we have the opportunity to be saved this morning. I'm very excited as we'll uh, enter into a new chapter in the book of Acts. And so before we get into our text this morning, let's just go ahead and go before the Lord and uh, lift up our request to Him and praise Him for His goodness. Heavenly Father, thank You once again for just the opportunity to live or to be uh, a blessing to others, to be blessed, Lord, to be filled with a joy unspeakable that's found only in Your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray now that You would go before us and that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Give us the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to rightfully divide your word, to understand where Jesus is in all this in the text and how uh, the text this morning, like every text, is so applicable to our lives. Your word, the living word of God, it's uh, applicable to every situation in every facet of life. Lord, we just want to be able to learn from your word today. We want to be able to glean from it and and really see how it just hits home to the deepest part of our own hearts personally, that we, it would transform us and change us, Lord, and make us uh, to be more like your son, Jesus Christ, to be sanctified by the washing of the word. So again, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Well, we will be starting Acts chapter 16 this morning. We will be in verses 1 through 5, taking little chunks at a time, but much truth is found in these first five verses. So let's just go ahead and begin, starting in verse 1. And it reads, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance and decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. I've entitled this message, Going Beyond the Call of Duty. Going Beyond the Call of Duty. As I stated, today we are in Acts chapter 16, and we're going to be introduced to Timothy, a pillar in the faith and uh, someone who was uh, used mightily in these times and someone we can glean from as a follower of Christ and, and his uh, example of what it means to be a humble servant of the Lord. We will... Uh, today get a little bit of background as to his early upbringing him as a, a, a chi child young man and from that we will be able to pull our main text 
the first main point we have this morning is this. One's racial background has no bearing on whether or not the Lord will use them. We know from the text, as it said, that Timothy's mother was a Jew, but his father was Greek. That would have classified Timothy as uh, your typical half-breed, someone who's not of a full race. Uh, This was, if you take in biblical terms, you know, the woman at the well. She was, again, she was a half-breed as well. She was a Samaritan. So, in essence, this was basically in the same bucket, same category as someone who was a Samaritan. The world at that time would have looked down upon Timothy because of his race. The simple fact that the Jews did not approve of anyone who was not uh, full blood. You were either a Jew or a Gentile. If you were not a Jew, you were not looked upon as having favor upon your life. You were not looked upon as being someone who was credible or someone, again, who was even considered a whole human being. But God saw things very differently. He saw something very different. He saw in Timothy a young man who had a hunger and a thirst to serve him. One's desire to listen to the Lord, to obey and to serve him and to love his son Jesus Christ is what God sees in every believer. That's what God sees. He sees the condition of one's heart. He sees the innermost workings, what is going on within us, not uh, focused solely on the exterior of a person. One's race is of no significance, meaning the Lord will use you and I not based on our race, but rather he will use us based on our willingness to submit to him. He will not use us based on our pride, or at least that is until our pride is broken and you and I can be built back up uh, as the potter does the clay and create that vessel molded and shape it into what his liking is for his purposes. That's the first main point. The second main point is this. Never underestimate the power of a Christian parent. We will learn how Timothy's early upbringing had a lasting impact upon his life. And you and I know if you are a parent, as as parents, you know, we want the best for our children. We we ultimately want them to have a better life than the lives that we live. We want them to surpass us in all that we've done. We want them to accomplish more. We want them to be, uh, you know, that much more secure and to be that much more successful than we do. Any any parent worth their salt would do just about anything for their children. You know, people will jump through walls and and, and go through fires for their children. And, And what better thing for us to do, what better thing to give our children than to teach them the truth of who Jesus Christ is from an early age, setting that foundation for them 
So as they grow, they have the backdrop of Christ. They have the understanding of what true truth is and not falsehood. And so when they run into troubles and problems of various kinds, as we know they will, they have the foundation of Christ to fall back upon. And even if for a season, no matter how long that season may be, uh, when and if they do stray away from the faith and they go out and do their own thing, as we know, every uh, you know young adult will at some point testing the waters, seeing what they you know seeing what the world has to offer, like the prodigal son, they will find their way back to the Lord. Jesus Christ. That's our second main point. Never underestimate the power and the influence of a Christian parent. The third main point is, at times in our Christian walk, we will need to go beyond the call of duty to further the kingdom of God. As we see with Timothy, he wasn't required to be circumcised because he wasn't a full Jew. He he wasn't under the Mosaic law. But because he was a half Jew and he was half Greek, his witness could have easily come into question amongst the Jews. So he voluntarily did this. He voluntarily was circumcised and and in doing so, he broke down barriers, barriers of stereotypes, barriers of bias, barriers of questioning whether or not he was legitimate in his faith. Our greatest example of this, of, of going beyond the call of duty for the sake of the gospel, is found Obviously, in the person of Jesus Christ, in everything our Lord did, he went far beyond the call of duty, even in his very last action here on earth. You see, because he had every right to not even acknowledge the thief on the cross who was definitely guilty. And some Bible scholars believe that he was uh, even a murderer. But our loving Savior did far more than simply even acknowledge him, he saved and won his soul. You see, to truly live a life modeled after Jesus Christ, right? To truly be a follower of Christ and to love with uh, his love, a love that is long-suffering, a love that is enduring, you must literally live a lifestyle that is going beyond the call of duty. That, that Living the Christian life, being a true faithful follower of Jesus Christ, you will naturally find yourself going beyond the call of duty in everything you do because you're going to be stretched. That's the only way you can live the Christian life. You can't live your Christian life in a box that's not uh, being genuine about it. And so that is our third main point. Okay, great. Now that we have our background, let's go ahead and get into the text. Let's dive right in. So we'll begin in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. And it says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Then he came to Derbe and Lystra. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. So real quick here, let's get a bit of background to set the scene for these first two verses. So Paul arrived in Derby where he had great success 
on his first missionary journey. And in Lystra, that's where, you know, he also had great favor upon him there. Remember, in Lystra, though, this was where that crazy, wacky situation popped out where the crowd, right, they were trying to honor Paul and Barnabas. They were trying to actually, you know, worship them as as, as pagan gods. And, and Paul and Barnabas had to tell them, no, no, stop, stop worshiping me. I'm, I'm a living, I'm a living creature just like you. You need to worship the true and living God, not not us. We're just servants. We're just mouthpieces for the Lord. Paul had begun this missionary journey having come from Antioch. And so all along the way, he basically strengthened the churches throughout this whole region of of Syria and and, and Cilicia. This was going on. He was going back and forth and he was, you know, reaching out, making sure that young believers were becoming more mature in the faith and making sure that the, the, the true biblical teachings, the true doctrine was being taught. This is what was going on in this time. And some Bible scholars believe that this first missionary journey, it finished about five years uh, prior uh, before these events in Acts chapter 16. So the reason I bring that, the five-year uh, you know, period, is because this is, this is very significant because we will learn that Timothy was one amongst many people who were greatly affected by Paul's witness. So, you know, Timothy must have observed him or at least heard of Paul and, you know, the works that the Lord was doing through Paul during this five-year period, uh, Timothy as a young child, uh, you know, young man. Paul was anxious to see for himself how the work of the Lord continued amongst these churches he founded five years before. He was all about being hands-on, Paul was, about making sure that people were, were being strengthened, that people were maturing, that people were growing. He had a true pastor's heart. He had a true servant's heart. He had a heart for the people. And for us today, the application is this. As Christians, how do we do with following up. How are we doing with that? And what I, what I mean by that is, are we checking up upon our brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we, do we have a concern? Do we have a care for their spiritual well-being? Or are we those that we only see them when we see them? And, you know, we honestly don't, we're so busy with our own lives that we don't really have any care or concern for what's going on with them. You know, I, I'm learning in my own life, how 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 impactful a simple phone call is to reach out to a brother in Christ and just say, "Hey, man, you've been on my heart, dude. How are you doing? You know, um, what's been going on?" Showing a care and a concern. Uh, we may think that we can't do much because of the pandemic, but again, a simple call to someone will go a long way as to showing that you actually really care about them and their well-being. Paul felt this way and he was this way he went beyond the call of duty and 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 made sure he checked upon the churches checked upon his brothers and sisters in Christ to make sure that they were well and we should do the same all right next enter timothy this is where we first see timothy 
In the time since Paul had been to Lystra, a young man named Timothy had been serving the Lord. The, 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 the text tells us this, that he was well spoken of by the brethren. So the first thing we see is that his reputation was good. It was, uh, you know, above uh, reproof, reproach, meaning there wasn't anything that can any, you know, someone could pin on him to try to uh, tarnish his name. His, his reputation was good. It was of, uh, you know... It was just right. There wasn't there wasn't dirt to, to, to shade on his name. He was well spoken of. And this is very significant because he was well spoken of, yet he was of mixed race. Timothy had a believing mother of Jewish background, and he had an unbelieving Greek father. We know that Timothy was uh, raised by his mother and grandmother who were of the faith because we can read about that. Second Timothy uh, chapter 1 verse 5 tells us this and it says, I am reminding, uh, excuse me, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Though Timothy was not a full Jew and he didn't grow up in a home where both of his parents were believers, he did have a believing mother and grandmother. I have a question. How important is it to have someone in your home guiding you spiritually as you grow up? Think about your own life, whether you had someone there or you didn't have someone that was guiding you spiritually. How important is that to have someone, some adult, some guardian, some parent, if not both, uh, raise you, gird you up in the truth to set you on the trajectory to uh, you know, be successful in the Lord? We know that God has set up his covenant, his spiritual covenant for men to lead the home, he has set it up this way. We look at, we look back upon Adam and Eve. You know, God created Adam first for the purpose of him being the spiritual head of his home, his household, and then he created Eve. The Bible doesn't go into great detail about Timothy's father. So, I mean, one could speculate this and that. Uh, but, you know, don't want to go there. But the Bible does tell us that his father was Greek. Okay, we're clear on that. But the Bible does credit his grandmother and mother for raising him up in the faith. And so we can uh, gain from that that, you know, his father was not involved spiritually in his life. That is, at least, you know, gearing him, rearing him up in the Christian faith, but it was his grandmother and mother that did that job. And the application for us this morning is this. We just need to praise God for all of the godly, God-fearing, faithful women in our families throughout this country, throughout the generations that have gone on before us. In our culture today, it is uh, very staggering how 
many men are absent from the family and and in you know different racial groups for whatever reason that 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 discrepancy is a lot greater but the fact in general that many men no matter what race what class uh, what culture you're from in America there there seems to be just a a lack and an absence of the male role in the family and many times mothers and grandmothers are having to take upon the role themselves of being both parents but we see clearly the faith of one devoted parent in the life of their child was great had a lasting impact upon this child's life upon timothy's life the fact that there was a mother who was devoted to christ there was a grandmother who was devoted to christ that that influenced his life greatly it is very similar to that of a believing spouse. We know the Bible talks about that. A believing spouse can intercede and, and, and truly be used to win the unbelieving spouse to Christ. We know that this is true. And so it is very important to have one parent for sure. We obviously, ideally, we, we, we want both parents to be saved, both parents to be faithful followers of Christ, to be uh, equally yoked. But even if that's not the case, one believing spouse, one believing parent is a great opportunity for a child or children to fall in line and become followers of Christ. At the very least, that seed being planted in that young person's heart and them knowing the truth of who Christ is from a young age. Next, we must look back and remember the last time that Paul was in Lystra. Again, this was the time when many people were worshiping him and Barnabas as false gods, and they were trying to stone him and kill him. No doubt that a young Timothy would have either seen Paul from a distance or at least some point uh, and, and during this time heard the story or the account of what had gone on and how you know Paul and Barnabas were almost uh, you know killed by by these people. But this knowledge of who Paul was and his unshakable faith would have resonated with this young Timothy since he was already being raised and, and, and brought up to serve the true and living God. Paul's courage and wisdom in the face of these obstacles, uh, it would have built a great legacy in Timothy as it did in others like him. It would have resonated and just uh, basically confirmed the, the, the things that Timothy was already learning and, and he would have been influenced heavily by. Some, almost like how, you know, people, you know, older generations will say, oh, I remember, you know, hearing Billy Graham or seeing him, you know, in the Coliseums during the Crusades, you know, that, that kind of interaction or that kind of uh, witnessing someone being used heavily for the Lord that's impactful. And, and, and the same thing was going on here with Paul and Timothy. We must also understand that the church had just settled the matter of Gentiles not needing to observe the Mosaic law in order to be saved. So growing up for Timothy, him being a half Jew and half Greek, this would have been an issue that definitely would have hit home for him. I mean, just think about it. How easily would it have been for Timothy 
to have been torn as far as, you know, what side of his heritage should he honor? Should he, you know, side more with Greeks than with Jews or, you know, vice versa? And he would have went through this. And, you know, many people today, I do believe they struggle with that. People that are of mixed race, they they are, you know, struggling to find their identity. But again, this is the thing, uh, you know, you don't necessarily You shouldn't, I should say, find your identity in your race. You should find your identity in Christ. That that way, no matter what race you are, whatever mixed culture you are, yes, that is your heritage, that is part of who you are, but ultimately the core, the fiber of who you are is found in the person of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And, uh, you know, from what we see from Timothy being, uh, you know, someone who was upright and spoken well of, I think that he, you know, honestly respected both sides of his heritage and his race equally. But he, again, he made the best choice in honoring the Lord above any race or culture. And we, again, we know about this from the details of his upbringing. He was a stand-up individual whose desire was to please God. And the Lord had favor upon his life and confirmed that race holds no criteria for any individual to be saved and used in a mighty way for him. And, and, you know, know, that goes even into, you know, those that were, uh, you know, unfortunately recipients of of leprosy right back then if you were a leopard you were cast out you couldn't be a part of the normal population and what do we see Jesus doing all the time going beyond the outskirts of the towns and the villages you know to the wastelands as 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 you could put it and he would heal and deliver these lepers and allow them to not only be healed physically, but most importantly, have their sins forgiven, have their hearts be changed from a stony heart to to a heart that was soft in a flesh and be able to serve the living God. And that, again, how wild and crazy was that back then for people to witness, especially the religious leaders, to see someone who was a leper for 30, 40 years of their life, all of a sudden they're they're healed of their leprosy and now they're being, you know, they're in a position to serve the true and living God they would have thought, man, you can never serve God. You're not worthy of serving God. You're a leper. You have a disease. Uh, little did the religious leaders know they had the disease running rampant of, uh, of of vicious sin in their hearts, the, the worst disease of all that, that can only be cured by the Lord. The criteria in acceptance of his son, Jesus Christ, and obedience to his will, that's, that, that, that's what it is. It's not about your race. It's not about that. It's all about, is one willing to accept Jesus Christ? Are we willing to humble ourselves and recognize we need to receive Christ as our personal Savior? And then from that point on, with the power of the Holy Spirit, begin to be obedient to His will. We know that Abraham spoke of this too, stating that, <clears throat> excuse me, God's true children are those who obey Him, not simply have a blood heritage. Galatians 3 Verse 7 says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The Bible is very clear that God's children come from all walks of life. It's not about, again, your racial background. It's about your devotion and your commitment to Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3 verses 28 and 29 tell us this. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. 
There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Christians come in all shapes, colors, and sizes. Nothing excludes you from a relationship with Jesus Christ except your unbelief. It starts with belief. It starts with having some measure of faith. If you don't believe, then you'll have no chance at being obedient. So we must act upon the faith, the measure of faith that the Lord has given us. Okay, let's go ahead and finish off with these last two verses, verses 3 through 5. And it says, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek, and they went on their way through the cities. They delivered them, uh, they delivered to them from observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Paul wanted him to go uh, with him on this next missionary journey. Paul was impressed enough with Timothy to ask him to join the missionary team. This shows that God's provision is always going to be uh, available. He's always going to provide exactly what we need when we need it. Because remember, just recently, uh, John, Mark, and Barnabas had split the missionary group. They went their own way and, and left Paul to start a new team. And this shows us that no single worker in Christ's kingdom is irreplaceable. When Barnabas left, God had Timothy waiting in the wings, ready to link up with Paul so that they could you know, complete the team and go on uh, doing the Lord's work. The application for us is this. What an honor and privilege for us today to be saved and to serve the Lord. To know that our lives are accounted to accomplishing God's work here on earth. But we also know that in that there's going to be rough times and there's going to be times where we hit a brick wall. There's going to be times where we feel like we can't go on and we don't know what to do and we feel alienated and we feel like no one's there. But God will always provide a way out and God will always provide that perfect person to come alongside us and help us to get through on to the next point in our walk with the Lord. And we know that he does this ultimately so uh, we can be used to accomplish his work. And we know that when one door opens, or excuse me, when one door closes, another door will eventually open. Next, we see that Paul took Timothy to be circumcised because of the Jews in that region, because they were going to you know, be 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 talking and, and muttering and murmuring and, and 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 rumors going on about why what's going on. How is Timothy serving along Paul? Timothy's not even a, you know, a full Jew. He's 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 a half breed. He's a Greek and he is a Jew. So we know that this was not done for any kind of legal reason. There was not done for legalism because we know Paul argued strongly against it and the the Jerusalem Council had already concluded that Gentiles don't have to keep the Mosaic Law to be saved. So we got to ask the question, well, why then? Why in the world would Paul have Timothy go through this very uh, painful process of being circumcised? Well, again, Paul did this for the sake of love, for not trying 
to have people follow legalism, but to make it easier for these Jewish believers to come to understand the truth in Jesus Christ. This is exactly the reason why Paul had Timothy do this and why Timothy agreed to do it because of their belief in Christ and the fact that they wanted to see it easier for their brothers and sisters of the Jewish Jewish faith to come to know Christ. The application is this. It, this, this, kind of, this kind of thinking and this kind of acting is exactly what it means to go beyond the call of duty, to take what is your free will and your right and to essentially lay down your free will and your rights for the sake of others. It's exactly what Jesus Christ did upon the cross. We all know full and well that Jesus could have come down from that cross. He's God Almighty. He could have done it in a heartbeat, but he didn't. Instead, he used his free will and his rights and he remained on the cross for us, for love, so we could all be cleansed of our sin. And we know that this was the heart of Paul and Timothy as well, because they wanted to see their brothers and sisters come to know Christ. They wanted to make it easier for them to be able to do this and to do it well. And for us today, there, there's going to be times, if it hasn't happened already in our own lives, where we're going to have to go beyond the call of duty. We're going to have to lay down our rights in order to make it easier to, uh, you know, not create uh, tension or friction or unnecessary tension and and friction between us and other brothers and sisters in Christ. This is important because this is the kind of action that directly reflects the heart of Jesus, the heart of Jesus towards his own church. Lastly, we see that the churches in that region, they were strengthened in faith and they increased in numbers daily. Paul, Silas, and Timothy together, they enjoyed great success in their work in the ministry and of strengthening the churches and watching them grow. But their work was successful because their their interest was in strengthening the churches. Their interest was not in accolades, was not in recognition, was not in being identified as being these, these great men of God, but they simply had hearts and desires to want to serve people and to serve them well and to ultimately serve the Lord well. The application for us this morning is this. Strong churches will naturally mature spiritually and grow without relying on man made or man-centered and manipulative methods. The reality is simply this. Whatever you bring people in with, you're going to have to also keep them with those things, those gimmicks, those gadgets, whatever that is. And once that runs out, people are going to split because you're not going to have anything to sustain them with. That's why you just need Jesus Christ. You need to preach Christ. You need to share Christ. You need to show the love of Christ with people because the reality is, We're never going to run out of Christ. He's the living water. He's inexhaustible. And so if you share Christ with people, that's what people are receiving. That's what people are going to expect when they come to your Bible study, when they come to your church to hear a message. They're going to they're going to be hungry for Christ, not not donuts, not for ponies, not for, you know, uh, you know, a free tablet or whatever it may be. They're going to get Jesus Christ and they're going to be fulfilled in him. And as we know, Jesus Christ is the only one who can keep the ship afloat. Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you again for just your word. Thank you for uh, your, your message as it's gone forth. 
Now, Lord, may you help us to meditate on your word, help us to understand how this applies to our lives personally. And Father, we pray for the opportunity to live this out today and in the upcoming days as you will us to live. Father, we pray for those that are uh, in need of salvation. We pray that if they have heard this message, that you've convicted their hearts, Lord, and that you are doing a work in their heart, Lord, to draw them to you, that they may be saved. It's as simple as uh, professing with one's uh, lips and in the quiet stillness of their hearts that they recognize that they're a sinner and they're, they're in desperate need of salvation to be saved and only Jesus Christ can save them, Lord. So we pray that you would do that mighty work in every unbeliever's heart. In every believer's heart, we pray that you would continue to help us to stand upon the rock of Jesus Christ and to not waver in these times of uncertainty, in these times of distress, in these times that are are, are building fear in many people. May we be those who are strong in the faith and may your strength be made perfect in our weakness. Father, we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen.